Your girl is a homebody, so one of the best parts of the day for me is when I can come home, put on my comfy pajamas, get snuggled up on the couch, and enjoy something to drink while catching up on a TV show. The thing is, though, that I don't want to drink wine all the time because, though I love it, I'm no longer a huge wine drinker like I was back in the day. I have morning headaches and even inflammation to thank for that. So, to help fill that gap, I've been enjoying Recess Mood as a guilt-free way to unwind. Recess Mood really is a vibe y'all there are only 20 calories per serving no added sugar and it's infused with stuff i like including mood lifting magnesium and stress balancing adaptogens which really helps me to relax after a high energy day recess mood has four delicious flavors to choose from my personal fave is strawberry rose if one of your goals in 2024 is to drink less alcohol this is the way Give Recess Mood a try today and see how relaxed it helps you feel. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com forward slash self-care and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. They start to realize, hey, every time that I talk to my mom or every time that I talk to my dad, I feel sucky after that conversation. Mm-hmm. So then that leads the conversation in a different direction of, all right, well, what do we need to start doing differently? Hey, hey, sistrin, what is going on? You are listening to the Brown Girl Self-Care Podcast. My name is Bree. I am the host of the show. Thank you so much for pressing play. It's Monday. Yes, happy Monday. That means it's time for, of course, this episode. And uh, today I have a really good conversation. I'm talking with Hazel Walker, a licensed therapist, about figuring out who you are, because I think sometimes we just check off boxes like I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a I'm a daughter, I'm a sister. So we're going to be talking about figuring out who you are outside of those labels and boxes. We're going to be talking about setting boundaries in relationships, which is always important. And we're going to also talk about just being complete and whole on your own before entering into and engaging in relationships. So we've got a packed conversation for you today. This is a live recording of an audio session that I did in Brown Girl Society last month. If you remember, shout out to you. I do these conversations in Brown Girl Society first and then I bring them over to the podcast at a later time. So with that said, let's go ahead and get into this episode. Before I do, I just want to give a special shout out and thank you to Sugar Shack for sponsoring this episode. You can check them out at SugarShackCollection.com. And with that said, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. Today I'm speaking with Hazel Walker. And she is a, now correct me if I'm wrong, you're a licensed marriage therapist, marriage and family therapist? Yep, licensed marriage and family therapist. Okay, awesome. And you're the founder and owner of It's Apparently Time. Mm-hmm. which is, tell, tell us more about It's Apparently Time. Yes. So uh, I own a private practice. So last year, I guess I should go back from the beginning. So five years ago, I became a mom for the first time. 
And in that experience, I realized that there wasn't a lot of um, care from people who look like me. So like clinicians, um, even like the medical team that I had, um, there were a lot of people of color. And I just didn't have someone to kind of talk to me about like, what is this process of you're becoming a mom for the first time? What does that mean? How do you adjust? So back then I had the idea of, I want to start something to support moms, especially moms of color. Um, but I put that to the side because I had to work. I need to provide for this new baby that I had and just other things. It just didn't line up. So last year, um, when my baby turned, my second one turned one, I was like, I got to do something different. Um, I really want to kind of give birth to this idea of giving that support. And I have like really big dreams about what I want this to turn into. But last year is when I started my private practice, being able to help new moms, help seasoned moms, help those who were becoming moms for a second, third, fourth time. I started this private practice so that I could support them on their journey of parenthood. And I think a part of that too, and a lot of the conversations that we have is about how do I rediscover myself? Because I'll admit too, I myself, I felt lost. Like, who am I? So having to go through this process of rediscovering who Hazel was without all of these other different titles of mom, wife, employee, daughter, um, and just getting back to discovering who I am. That's like a really big conversation that I have with a lot of my mom clients. So, Okay. And I apologize. There's, I, I live on a busy street, so you might hear some traffic in the background. So my apologies for that, of course. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, of course the motorcycle just had to go by when you're talking, but yeah, so that's what that is. But yeah, I identify with that so much. And I think that even if you have not, if you're not a mom at this time and you don't either, either you, you just don't want to have kids or just, you know, things just don't develop in that way. Um, I think every black woman at some point kind of gets lost Mm -hmm. in their roles because I've that's happened to me before too so I love that you said that because I've asked myself many times like besides besides a mom besides a nine-to-fiver besides a daughter besides you know a girlfriend at, at some point it's like who am I you mm -hmm. know what I mean and I think a big part of self-care is taking time to identify who you are outside of those roles those boxes because to me they're like boxes mm -hmm. they're they're boxes right mm -hmm. it's like who am I in addition to or besides that mom right. title or that wife title or that girlfriend title or that employee title or, title or that entrepreneur title or even some of us that are struggling with like illnesses or, or different things like that. It's like, who am I beyond that? Right. One of the things that I um, talk about, I did a podcast episode a while back with a friend that I went to high school with and we talked about, is there such a thing as a toxic person? And when I really think about it, do I think a person per se is toxic? Like them in themselves? No. So if I could say I'm Hazel and I might have toxic traits, but I'm not toxic. The same way how when you talk about um, someone who struggles with alcohol abuse, calling them an alcoholic, it's very defeating. It makes them feel like, well, this is my identity. This is who I am. But really, when you really think about it, they are more than just 
the alcoholic. There's someone who struggles with alcohol in addition to probably other things that they struggle with in their life. And I feel like when you are able to change your thinking, you're able to change the narrative and then you're able to feel more empowered to make those changes necessary in your life to overcome whatever it is. Because when you think about, oh, I'm the alcoholic, you don't really think that you can accomplish or do anything else. But when you say, I am Hazel, the person who struggles with alcohol abuse, it gives you power because this is something outside of yourself that you can kind of tackle with the assistance of someone else. Definitely. There's a, there's a difference. There's like a shift that happens when you say, I am dot, dot, dot versus like I have, or I struggle with, or what, like, what's another way that you can frame that? Because I think that when we put these titles on it, like you said, it, like it, it, it encompasses like everything, you know what I mean? So like, how would, how would you reframe, reframe that? So when I introduce myself, I start off by saying I'm Hazel because that's who I am first and foremost. And then as the conversation goes on, I'm like, I'm Hazel and yes, I have two kids and yes, I own my own practice, but I don't enter it saying I'm a mom and I'm a business owner. I kind of start with my, the, the base of my identity, which is Hazel. And because I am Hazel, all of these other things kind of come out of me being a mom, being a business owner, being a clinician, being a daughter, whatever it might be. Hmm. Interesting. Is, is there something that you would recommend? Like if someone is listening right now and they're like, yes, that is like there. Cause I, I, you know, I have struggled with that too. Like, who am I outside of this, these boxes that I check, you know, mm -hmm. black woman, mom, whatever employee or, or whatever, like how, like, how do you kind of know who you are outside of that like if someone was coming to you and they're like you know I just feel lost besides mm -hmm. these like I said these boxes that I check like how do you I guess figure out more about who you are yeah I think one of the things that I do with my clients and I also created a workbook um, rediscovering myself a mother's journey after childbirth but one of the worksheets that I have in there is focused on finding that balance, but also who am I? And I think one of the things you have to do initially is discover like, what are those things that bring you excitement? What are those things that bring you joy? Before you entered into this phase in your life, when was the last time you remembered yourself being happy? What was that like? What was going on during that time? How can we recreate that and bring that into your present life? And even if you're not going to go back and be the old you, you can almost think of it as like, this is the me 2.0, or this is like a higher version of myself, where some of those things that you, you used to enjoy doing, you kind of incorporate that into your life now. And it feels even better. You know what I mean? It's, it's almost like you're upgrading yourself. So thinking about what are things that I enjoy? What did I used to enjoy? What are things that are important to me? What are my values? What are my dreams? Where do I see myself in the next year or two? Even if you can't think to the five-year point, because that seems so far, even thinking about what's my six-month goal, what's my one-year goal, and kind of working towards that. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And that, that to me is a big part of like self-care. Mm -hmm. That's a big part of self-care, knowing who you are, knowing, knowing the things that you know, bring you joy, knowing the things that bring you peace, being able to say, you know, I'm Brie and I, you know, whatever, dot, dot, dot. And because I, I think that sometimes, especially in the past, I would 
feel almost like I had to offer something up. Like I have to offer up that I'm a mom so that, I, that they can see my value. You know what I mean? I'm a mom. I have kids. Like that was like my go-to or not kids. I have a kid. <laughs> that was like my go-to, you know what I mean? Like always just, it's kind of like a shield, if you will, like these boxes. Sometimes there's like safety mm-hmm. in that or like a sense of importance because without those labels, it's like, like I said, it's like, well, hell, who am I? What yeah. am I? <laughs> who am I outside of this? And, and, and sometimes we have to get uncomfortable and not cling to those, those, like I said, those boxes and, mm-hmm. you know, get out of that, that space of comfort to figure out like, okay, who am I like for real? Right. Yeah. yeah. And letting go of some of those expectations. I think that that's like a driving force to some of the anxiety that a lot of us experience where these expectations, whether it's societal or from family places us in these boxes But then when you really think about it, you start to realize for yourself, "Mm, that doesn't necessarily align with what I want for my life. So then you go through this process of dealing with the worry of what if I do it differently? Who's going to be upset at me? Will they still love me? Will they accept what I'm doing, even though this feels right for me and they may not necessarily agree with it? So it's being able to almost take that time for yourself, even if you have to quiet the outside noise, separate from the family a little bit or friends to take that time to figure out what's important to me, what do I value, then do that. You know, I think we're, I I love when we have conversations like this because they don't necessarily go down the path of what I, or we necessarily intend, but this is like such an important conversation. What would you say to someone that is like, yes, girl, I'm trying to figure out who I am or yes, girl, I did that. I know who I am. I know what I want. I know what I'm going for. I know what brings me peace Um, outside of those boxes. Like I am strong in my identity, but my family is not accepting or my spouse is not accepting. Um, How do you handle that? Like, what do you, what, what are some things that you might be able to do? Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing is being able to accept the fact that not everybody's going to be on board with what you do. One thing my mom always used to say to me, if everyone likes you, you need to check yourself because <laughs> something may not be going right. right. But I think it's the same thing when we make decisions is not everybody is going to agree with what you do. And, and the thing I say to my clients is somebody's going to have something to say. So you might as well do what it is that feels right for you. They're going to complain. They're going to be happy. So why don't you just focus on doing what feels right for you? And you might get that initial pushback. But as long as you can tell yourself, you know what, I'm, I'm going to accept it. I'm going to accept the fact that this is going to be a natural part of me going against the grain and doing what feels right for me. Now, if it's your, so that's with the family. Mm-hmm. If it's your spouse or your partner, well, I think it's different because if it's your partner and there's no like, we're not married, there isn't like that commitment, commitment where we set our vows, we're going to be together forever. If it's your partner and you have conversations and you realize that this person isn't supporting your dreams, then you have to make a decision of, is this relationship worth it? Is is that the type of person that you want to commit to? Someone who is not going to support your dreams. And it's not like you're out here doing something crazy, right? You're trying to take better care of yourself. You're trying to um, go after what feels important to you. So if they're not able to say, you know, I'm going to put my own selfish needs and desires aside to support you and be there for you a thousand percent then you yourself need to evaluate, is this what I need in my life? Is this someone that I want to spend the rest of my life with? If it's your spouse, 
then that might, that ongoing conversation might take a little bit longer before you have some resolution and how that looks. It's dependent on who your partner is and, and how they might respond to you being in this new phase in your life. One thing I would say is if you feel like the two of you aren't able to figure it out together, go to couples therapy, have a therapist or a clinician, a licensed ranch and family therapist, have that person help you guys to navigate having those conversations. Because oftentimes it's not necessarily about the topic being discussed, but maybe there might be some issues with like the communication. Maybe they're not doing a very good job at hearing each other out and, and truly listening to understand what the other person is trying to say. So if you feel like you can't figure it out together, there's absolutely nothing wrong with going to therapy. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. I love that's a lot. And yeah, you're so right. Like sometimes we get caught up in these relationships and the other person is not like, like if you're on this, like it, it kind of happened to me, like if you're on this self-care journey or this journey of discovery as a black woman, and sometimes it's just like this huge shift. And the, and when you met this person, um, you were one way you know mm -hmm. but then we kind of evolve most of us do at some point but we kind of evolve and we shift into this like you said version 2.0 or 2.5 and whatever <laughs> windows 99 whatever version <laughs> of yourself that it is and they just they just won't accept that change mm -hmm. you know and so definitely if you're not in a relationship, it's, it's much easier. I mean, it's not easy. Like not, it's not an easy choice. I'm just saying it's less complicated, if you will, right. than someone that is married. They may have kids or mm -hmm. all these things are commingled. And, you know, um, but I, I think it's important for Black women to really take the time to identify like what it is they want, who they want to be. Like you mm -hmm. said, everybody's not going to like it, but yeah. Yeah. And I think a part of that too, is accepting that, like what you just said, you're going to change, you're going to evolve. There are going to be certain experiences that you go through. That's going to change the way you think the person that I was in college is definitely not the person that I am today, just because of life experiences. So I think there has to be an understanding and an acknowledgement on both parts, like you and your partner's side of understanding, all right, we're going to evolve. And that doesn't mean our, our morals and our philosophies on life are going to change drastically, but leaving room for the fact that we're going to grow and we're going to evolve and maybe what we wanted when we first got together isn't the same goals and aspirations that we have today. Right. Right. So let's get into this. Like, so I'm going to go through some of the questions or try to, um, what are the various stages in life that Black women typically experience? Mm -hmm. So we have, I mean, we have Speaking evolving, yeah. <laughs> right? So the way I interpreted this question is like, what are those different relationships that we find ourselves entering? So I think of friendships, um, dating, marriage, parenthood. And then I also think of like the sandwich generation, which are those who are taking care of their parents and taking care of their babies at the same time, where you have, you know, toddlers or school-age children at the same time. And each of these phases that you go through, I think each one teaches you something different about how to relate to others in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes, especially when you become a parent, I feel like a lot of the things that you might've learned or gone through yourself as a child or the experiences that you had with your parents, when you become a parent, 
it starts to challenge like is this what I want to do you know like the way your parents might have parented you 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 kind of grow up thinking I might want to do things differently But I think when you become a parent yourself, it really, you really start to work on that and develop who do I want to be as a parent now? What are some of those things that I might need to work through, address and resolve so that I can be the best parent to my child so that I can teach them what it's like to have a healthy relationship, not only with me, but as they get older with their friends, um, with a significant other, um, if they decide to have a best friend, you know, I feel like when we become adults, I'll speak for myself. I feel like becoming an adult, it becomes very hard to put these categories on friendships that you might've done when you were in like high school, like, oh, this is my best friend. Oh, this is my sister. I feel like when you become an adult, it kind of shifts where it's like, you, you really guard those titles because you start to recognize how important and sacred they are and the work that it takes to maintain those those relationships with those different titles yeah for sure and and especially when I find like once people have kids or get married it's just like a whole nother (laughs) you know what I mean especially like I'm single but like my BFF she's booed up she has two kids young younger than my daughter my daughter's 18 now you know what I mean so my freedom and flexibility is different than hers Mm-hmm. Um, though we kind of started off on the same paths, obviously we've kind of diverged because, you know, life, mm-hmm. but um, that just changes like the whole dynamic of relationships, right? you know? So what, what is a, like a healthy relationship? Like what does a healthy relationship mean? And, and are there some signs that show a relationship is healthy versus the signs that show a relationship is probably a little toxic, a little not healthy, mm-hmm. you know? The number one thing I would say right off the bat is if you feel, trust your gut. If you feel like something's off, if you feel like I don't necessarily feel comfortable with this, trust your gut. And if there's somebody that you trust that you can go to talk to, you don't necessarily have to tell them the details about what's going on in your relationship. But if it's someone that you can go to and just say, hey, what do you think about this? To have someone to bounce some ideas off of. But, you know, a healthy relationship is one where you have boundaries you both, you, you both respect the boundaries that each person sets up. There's open communication, there's honesty, there's trust. Um, I think all of these things are important in order to have a healthy relationship, whether it's with a partner, with a friend, even with your child. You, you want them to know that they can trust you and they, they can come to you and talk to you about whatever it is that might be on their mind. Will you get upset at some things that your child might say? Absolutely. But I think it's being honest with them in that of, I want you to be honest with me. That doesn't mean I I won't get upset at something that you say, but I still want you to be honest with me so that we can kind of figure it out and work it out together. Same thing in your relationship. Mm -hmm. There are going to be times where your partner pisses you off, (laughs) but you still have to talk it out. You still have to be able to come to an understanding and be able to say, all right, this is our game plan going forward. I understand that this hurt you and I'm going to try my best to do things differently so that you're not left feeling like this in the future. So boundaries, open communication, trust, respect. I think that those are all things that are important in a healthy relationship. I think on the flip side, unhealthy, um, poor boundaries. Um, Of course, if there's abuse in any form, verbal, physical, 
sexual, any type of abuse, that is an absolute, you have to draw the line. You have to stand up for yourself because if you give an inch, they will take a mile. So you have to be able to say to yourself, no, and be able to enforce those boundaries as well. It's one thing to say, oh, this is my boundary. But if you don't enforce it, people are not going to respect it. So you got to, you got to respect it yourself first. Hmm. That's a lot. Like how, and I think it's important. So obviously having boundaries is important. How do you have boundaries in a, like, for example, a friendship, mm-hmm. uh, I'm just going back to some of the friendships that I had. And it's like, when you have people that want you to, I guess, support them because you want to be supportive in like relationships you know what Mm -hmm. I mean um but there's only so much that you can take and there's only so much that you can give you know Mm -hmm. so how do you set up healthy boundaries for example with a girlfriend who wants to call you and give you her drama 24 hours a day you need to be on the at her beck and call um every time she calls she want to drop some shenanigans um like how, how would you have a healthy relationship with someone that's like that, for example, mm-hmm. and protect yourself. Yeah. So first thing is you got to communicate what that boundary is. Mm-hmm. And a part of that could be making suggestions. So if you have a girlfriend that calls up and is like, hey, Hazel, like this and this is happening. I can't believe it. One of the things you could say is like, oh my goodness, that sounds like a lot. Like, have you considered talking to that person about it? Mm-hmm. So, So one thing in that is that you are indirectly encouraging this friend to practice open and honest communication with whoever it is that they have the problem with. Then the other part of it could be is like, if this has been an ongoing situation and it might be something that they need additional support with, you could say, hey, have you considered going to therapy to talk to someone about that? One of the things I tell people is that therapy is not something that you do just because everything's falling apart in your life. Therapy is very helpful to help us with um, going through the life transitions that we have to deal with. So whether it's um, going to college, you're dating someone and you don't know what to expect because the examples that you had weren't great examples of how to have a healthy relationship or you're transitioning from college and you're going out on your own for the first time in grad school, you're paying your own bills. Like that's a major life transition getting married, premarital counseling, a thousand percent, I'm for it. You don't want to get married to someone. And then a year down the road, you realize, oh, shoot, I made a mistake. You want to make that decision early on versus after you say, I do. So therapy isn't something that's like your world's falling apart. You hit rock bottom. It's not only for that. It's also for these situations that come up and you're not necessarily sure how to handle it so those are some of the things that I would do with that friend hey have you talked to that person about it hey why don't you go to therapy it could be really helpful it sounds like you're really hurt from that situation maybe talking to somebody can help you figure out how to heal from that Um, and if you have to be very clear if you say hey you know I would really rather if when we talk to each other, we're talking about exciting or positive or, or uplifting things, I don't really feel comfortable talking about this person. I, would, I think it'll be much better if you go directly to you know him or her and talk to them about what's going on. Because then you might be able to figure out, oh, maybe the situation isn't as bad as I thought it was. Yeah, being able to speak up and say that. I mean, that's it, it's, it's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. But it's also so free, you know what I mean? To be able to own that and say, 
because that's definitely something that I've struggled with is having that person in your life, be it a parent or a friend, and them leaning on you so much that every time you have a conversation, it's a lot of, you know, shenanigans and negativity or, you know, whatever the case may be, because it, it's just almost always like a venting kind mm-hmm. of deal, you know, but being able to say, you know, uh, like I've had to say, <laughs> honestly, I've had to tell someone like, you know what, I don't even want to talk about that anymore. Like, literally, when I get on the phone, I'll say you have five minutes to complain about whatever. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, I've had yeah. to say, you have five minutes. And I, I mean it with love, but you have five minutes to complain about or talk about whatever it is that you want to complain about today. Or I'll say, what do you want to complain about today? They'll say what they have to say. And then I shut it down. Like, once that time has passed, we're going to move on in the conversation because I've I said I don't want to hear it beyond mm-hmm. giving you space to vent for a couple of minutes. And now let's move on because I don't want to stay in that space every single time, like for an extended amount of time, because it's it's harmful to me. I'm mm-hmm. trying to get to another place. I'm trying to elevate myself. I already mm-hmm. have my own stuff going on. You know what I mean? I don't want to stay stuck in this negative place where everything's bad. Everything's terrible. Everybody sucks. There's problem, 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 problems. Like, I, I don't want to stay, I don't want to dwell there. I know mm-hmm. that life is real and it comes fast and hard, but everything about life cannot be miserable. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's how I protect my peace, like setting that boundary of, and saying, because some people, like I, I know with this person specifically, I have to give that person that space. That's what they, you know, I'll give them a few minutes. But after that, I'm, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'll even say, you know, look at the time. I've got to go. I've got to be gone. <laughs> I will say that mid-sentence. You know what I mean? Because I have to be able to hold on to the little piece that I have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the other part of holding on to that piece too is recognizing that you have the ability to not pick up that phone call or to not answer that text. Like if they like if they call multiple times a day, you pick up the phone once. If they call you every single day, you pick up the phone twice a week. That's that's your power. You are giving them access to you. You that's your right. So if you don't want them to have access to you, you don't have to give it. They it's not like they earned like this plaque of I can have you whenever I want to. I don't think anybody in your life can have that type of power unless you give it to them. So if you feel like, nope, no access to me today, then that's what it is. There is this analogy. I say this to every single one of my clients. But when I was in grad school, my supervisor, my internship supervisor said something to me and it stuck with me ever since. But she said, your life is your club. You get to choose the membership level of each and every person in your life. So you might have some people who have a lifetime membership, maybe like, your child or your parents or your significant other, your spouse, they might have that that level where they have all access to you, of course, within reason. Um, They are the people that you share exciting news with, sad news with, they are your main go-tos. Then you might have other people that might have biannual membership. That could be like a best friend or whoever it might be in your life, acquaintances. But the thing about that analogy that really stuck with me is that it gave me back the power of deciding who I wanted in my life and the type of access that I was going to allow them to have, you know, to me, 
it gave that power back to me because I realized that I was giving them that power <laughs> where I was allowing them to choose when they got to have access to me. And I was like, no, this don't work like this. <laughs> if I want you in my life, if I want to talk to you every day, it's because I'm allowing you to talk to me every day. If I want to allow you to share your stories or something negative is going on, I'm allowing you that access. You don't get to dictate when that happens. So that's something I say to all of my clients across the board at some point in our work together. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And it's funny you said that because the person that I'm talking about, like sometimes I don't answer the phone mm-hmm. and I'll specifically, I'll like purposely wait until the next day or hours later. And then I'll call and they'll be like, I'll be like, oh, what did you need? You know? And they'll mm-hmm. be like, oh, I forgot. I'm like, great. <laughs> Cause I know it wasn't nothing important anyway. You know what I mean? But yeah. There- book that you were, are reminding me of I cannot for the life of me think of the name and in the book he basically says that we have to be careful with the people that we allow in because once they're in like they're they're in that room like there's a door going into the room but there's no door letting people out of the room in other words like with the amount of mental space they mm-hmm. take up so if you let someone kind of toxic or negative in to that room or into your space they're there forever. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't talk to them, like they're, they're still a part of them. They've shaped some of your experiences. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I cannot think of the name of that book for the life of me. I literally just read it in the last six months. Dang it. But yeah, so that's I'm true. I'm sure it'll come back to you like a week from now. I was like, oh yeah, wait. And then I'll, <laughs> I'll send you a message. I'll, I'll just say the name of the book and you'll be, you'll be like, girl, what? what is this you know but yeah I can't think of the name of the book but he was basically saying that it's okay to be skeptical and to question things that don't quite sound true like the time that I was dating someone that was trying to earn cool points so told me he liked every single tv show that I did but then couldn't tell me any of the names of the characters on these shows he claimed to love like seriously If something seems too good to be true, do some digging before you invest your time, energy, or money. This is why when it comes to my health, I use Ritual because they know that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our high standards. Their clinically backed essential for women 18 plus multivitamin has high quality traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. These multivitamins are gentle on my stomach and are so easy for me to take. It's crucial that I trust what I'm putting into my body. So I love that Rituals Essential for Women is USP verified, which is a huge deal. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com forward slash self-care. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash self-care for 25% off. Okay, so what do Gail Anderson, Oprah Winfrey, and Big Boy have in common? These are three people in media who back in the day showed me that my dreams were possible. These visionaries paved the way for me to take a huge chance on myself by sharing my voice in the podcasting space. Black representation in media didn't happen by chance. We had to fight for the right to be heard, to be seen, to share our stories, and to take up space. Imagine if you could have some of the power, richness, and depth of the Black experience in one curated space. You can. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, and empowerment, as well as perspective of the culture in real time. 
Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. Conversations ranging from Abbott Elementary to mental health to Tracy Ellis Ross, there is no limit to the range you will find on Black Stories, Black Truths. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Summertime is here, and respectfully, summertime is about to get the beautiful body I'm going to give it. Um, This means I want my situation moisturized and glowing from head to toe. Taking care of my skin and smelling great while also being intentional about what is in the products I'm using is a huge part of my self-care routine. And I know it is for you, too. This is why I love, love, love the Sugar Shack. The Sugar Shack offers exactly what my skin needs, but they do it with high quality ingredients that I can actually pronounce like cocoa butter, shea butter, coconut oil, pure cane sugar, and arrowwood root. And I feel good about that. So go to SugarShackCollection.com today and take a look at their bath, body, and spa essentials. And don't miss their Juneteenth Power Soap. You are going to love that. It looks amazing. Again, that's SugarShackCollection.com. S-U-G-A-R-S-H-A-K Collection.com. Now back to the show. Just imagine that you have a bouncer you know, and this bouncer is going to let people in or they're going to let people out. And it's basically boundaries. You know what I mean? Like either they never come in or you allow them in. But once you allow them in, just know that they're going to shape for good or for not so good, the experiences that you have that are going to stay with you for forever, you know, it's so important to cultivate these healthy or as healthy as we can, these healthy, safe relationships. And it's not always easy for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's actually, let me stop talking. I want to ask, did anyone in the chat <laughs> have any questions or comments uh, before we kind of move on? Or if you wanted to hop on really quick and say something to Hazel, you are definitely free to do that. It's just wanted to make sure that I mentioned that. I don't see any, any questions right now. So, or I don't see any comments right now. All right, cool. If you have something, just drop it in the chat. Um, So let's talk about support systems for Black women. Um, What is a support system? And and why is it so important? And how do we start getting a support system? Mm -hmm. I say your success as an individual is dependent on having a good support system. You cannot do anything on your own. We were not meant to figure life out on our own. What your support system looks like is what you need it to be. So in my work, I, you know, I work primarily with moms. So one of the things that I highlight is that when you become a mom for the first time, some of the things that are a part of that support system could be your family, could be your partner, if you guys have a positive relationship could be close friends, could be your church family. It could be a nanny. It could be a cook. It could be a house cleaner. Um, It could be any of those things, a doula. It could be any of those things that you need it to be. I think there is this belief that as Black women or women of color, we don't have uh, help. We don't have a maid or we don't have um, a nanny. That's not something we do. 
But when you think about those people making money, they have a support system. You know, what we see on TV isn't them figuring everything out on their own. They have a support system. You need one too. So your support system is whatever you need it to be. If you don't have a, a partner or a spouse, don't feel like you can't have a support system or don't feel like, oh, well, I'm one leg out already. No, you can create it what you need it to be. Church, family, friends, support groups. You can meet some amazing people that way. Even if you take your child to like swimming class or music class, you build relationships with other moms that way. Um, support systems absolutely necessary in order to be successful and to, and to survive because I, I don't think it's fair to yourself to think that you have to do it on your own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really important. And of course we have that, that stereotype about black women being this stoic, strong, you know, independent woman. And I just hate that so much because are black women strong? Yes, of course, but they're not just strong. You know what I mean? We're human. Mm -hmm. So we have a range of emotions. We have a range of feelings. Sometimes we're, we need help. Sometimes mm -hmm. we don't need help. But the, the thing is that there should be for us like that option. Like if I need help, I can, I, have, it. I can have it, you know what I mean? And not expect black women to do everything by themselves. Right. Because we've done, some of us have done it for so long by ourselves because we didn't either have the, the family support system um, or we got into a relationship and it didn't work out and then we have kids or whatever the case may be. But some of us have done it for so long that it seems abnormal mm -hmm. <laughs> to even think that we could have help. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think some of us, we feel like we've done, we, we, gotten hit with life so hard sometimes like we feel like we don't even like we're not even worthy of of having a support system you know what I mean like it's not something that we deserve or we're not worth we're not good enough to have a support system yeah but we you definitely, you definitely need, need one for sure like you just I just think about my experience of becoming a new mom like even for the second time. So when we had my second son, we don't live close to family. My family's from New York. My husband's family is from St. Louis. So in order, and, and my mom, if I need her, she would drop anything and come. But when we were having my second um, child, we needed to find someone quick to watch my older son so that my husband could be there with me to experience this, I guess, new birth. Because my first son, it was a C-section. This one, was going to be natural. So it was a new experience for us. And he wanted to be a part of it. I wanted him to be a part of it. But because of that church family, we, it was our, like our family away from home because of them. He was able to spend the night at one of his good friends, his little, uh, they're the same age as little buddy. He was able to have a sleepover. He had a good time. My husband was able to be there with me. We were able to kind of enter into that experience as parents again for the second time, but it was because of that support. Like if, if we weren't able to one, create that support system, but also feel comfortable enough to rely on them, we wouldn't have been able to have the experience that we had. So it's one thing to create it, but you also have to allow yourself to be willing to access those people that you put in your support system when needed. Mm. Is there a way, like if there is someone listening either now or on the podcast and they're just like, you know, I, I identify as like this strong woman, I can do it all by myself. Like, 
how do you, is there a way to start kind of like breaking down those barriers or those walls Mm -hmm. to allow other people to, to lend a hand? Like I've noticed I've done it sometimes too. Like if someone offers just for example, because this is off the top of my head, if someone, if I'm carrying a grocery to my car or something and someone just happens to walk over and they're like, oh, can I help you? Or you want me to help you put those groceries in your trunk or whatever? First mm-hmm. of all, I'm gonna be like, who is this person? Get away from me. <laughs> my natural reaction, who is this person? No, but it's like, how do you get to a place where you're, oh, you can break that, break those walls down and let people help you? Mm-hmm. So I think you raise a good point because I would be the same way. Growing up in New York City, it's like uh, I trust no one. You're guilty until proven <laughs> innocent. Is that type of response? So yes, if someone walked up to me and was like, "Do you need help?" I'd be like, "No, I got it." Right? <laughs> but <laughs> even if I'm struggling, but I, when I think about like this idea of being a strong anything, super anything, perfect anything. I say, first off, that sounds exhausting mm-hmm. because the, the, it's like you're chasing something that you're never going to get because being super mom, being the perfect mom, um, being the strong mom, it's exhausting when you're trying to do all of that on your own. So one of the things that I do with the moms that I work with is like identifying what makes a good mother. And I think a part of the conversations that we have is about breaking down What are those expectations that have been placed on you, either from what you've observed in your family of what a strong woman, what a strong mom looks like, what are things that you've seen in TV that you feel like have influenced your belief about what a strong woman is? And then when we put that on one side, now you tell me what you feel like it means to be strong. And a part of that, I actually did an exercise like this with one of my clients. A part of that, she was able to recognize, well, for me, being strong means being vulnerable, being able to open myself up and say, I need help right now. But another part of being a strong or a good mom was also teaching her child how to love others and how to take care of themselves and how to be successful in this world. So I think a part of that is about having those conversations about what do you think strong is and what do you feel like strong is and how can we work closer to you aligning and you living your life out in a way that shows what you believe versus what you think you're supposed to be doing as a strong mom or as a strong woman. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's something to think about. Actually, that's something to think about. I think also too, I think sometimes it's not even that you think you're like strong. It's just that you've been taught, like you said, like what your experience is like, you've been taught, like, it's not okay for me to ask for help mm-hmm. because when you were whatever, maybe a kid or something, you, your requests were kind of like shut down. Like you weren't allowed to, mm-hmm. to ask for help or you, you were made to feel dumb. Like, oh, you can't do that. You know what I mean? Or just different things like that. So there's just so much healing probably in that needs to take place for us to start to let those various walls down that won't allow us to like ask right. for help or or we think like if we're getting help like so I think some of us we probably think that maybe it's a reflection of our like oh I'm a failure I can't do anything right or I mean I don't know I'm just speculating but there's I would imagine there's probably like a lot of healing that would need to take place for us to be able to mm-hmm. 
ask for I'm, help. I, I also think about like the layer of, so we'll be real, right? We're people of color, right? So I know for me, I've heard the message a lot of you have to work twice as hard just to get what everyone else has access to. Do I really have to work twice as hard? No, but that's the message that's instilled because oftentimes we feel like what should be ours or what we should have access to, the color of our skin limits us from being able to have it. So I think even in that, in thinking about how does just being a Black woman, a Black person, how does that influence my ideas about what it means to be strong? what it means to be independent, what it means to be successful, and what are the things that I've been taught and what are the things that have been ingrained in me of what I'm supposed to do in order to have what it is that I want to have, whether it's the be a CEO of a company or whether it's to get an A in college. Like, I think that that message, especially as people of color, we have to work really hard of recognizing that, yes, even though you have to work hard to get what you want, that doesn't mean that you can't ask for help. Like asking for help doesn't make you a failure. Asking for help doesn't make you um, less worthy. Like asking for help doesn't take away what you have achieved. Um, so yeah, I think that's a part of it too. Like recognizing what are those messages we receive just as people of color and how that's impacted how we now interact with the world, especially when it comes to asking for help and depending on others. Mm. That is like powerful because that's just, I feel like it definitely is ingrained. Mm -hmm. You know, it definitely is ingrained. And I think that's probably also why a lot of us are, even if we don't really think about why we don't, you know what I mean? But I'm sure that has a lot to do with it because right. we feel like in order for us to justify whatever, we got to do it ourselves. Like it, it, it has to be done. We have to do it ourselves. And I don't know, there's just, there's just so much, there's just a lot there. There's just a lot there for mm -hmm. sure. So mm -hmm. definitely <laughs> great point. Um, yeah. Let me check in and see, did anyone have any questions surrounding relationships, healthy relationships, toxic, relation, toxic relationships or anything like that as a black woman, as a parent? I don't see anything, everybody's quiet today. Okay, we, oh, we just have a few minutes. These conversations go so fast. I'm looking at my clock over there and it's already almost 50 minutes in. That's crazy. Um, so let's see, I'm trying to see what other questions I had. Um, I think we kind of talked about this a lot because one of my questions was how can we get help and support, for example, as like a single woman or a single parent? Um, what would you say just like, getting into groups like you kind of mentioned or reaching out to your church maybe mm -hmm. hiring some help yeah kind of yeah I mean and there are also like um professional resources that you could reach out to as well like postpartum support international like if you are a parent they have a lot of resources and they tend to have um branches of people or branches of support across the country. So I know there's like a Massachusetts chapter. Um, I'm not sure if there's a New York chapter, but they have chapters all around. I know that they're, I think they're based out in the West Coast, on the West Coast, um, but they have chapters all around, but that's a great um, resource to access. Um, reaching out to a clinician. I say in every life, life phase that you go through, you should have a, a therapist. 
there are things that are going to come up that you're going to need to work through. You're going to need to talk about whether it's a therapist or a life coach. I mean, I'm kind of biased <laughs> to having a clinician because that's just my training. But I feel like we are able to help you, one, achieve whatever goal you might have. But if there's some things getting in the way, some barriers, whether it's unresolved trauma, unresolved family issues, establishing some boundaries, um, figuring out what's important to you, having a licensed mental health professional can help you to navigate all of those things so that you can, in the end, be successful with accomplishing whatever the goal is that you have for yourself. Um, finding support, like I had said before, through if you do attend church, your, your church family, um, hiring help, whether it's a doula, um, a nanny, finding support by going to the library. I know I've met a lot of moms of, you know, kids my children's age by going to the library for story hour. And I know every place it might look a little different because of COVID. But before COVID hit, I knew that every Tuesday or every Thursday, we would go to story hour. I would see other moms. We would chit chat. And that was a way to feel some type of support, even though we weren't in like a mom group per se. Mm -hmm. But there are also um, support groups for moms available. Um, yeah, there are a lot of resources. It's just knowing who to reach out to and being willing to reach out to these people to get the help. Mm. I want to go back to healthy relationships, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. If you're, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, is it wise to get into relationships, if friendships or uh, intimate relationships, if you are not, I guess, necessarily healed? Mm. that add to like the relationship being toxic you know what I mean I wouldn't say that you can't get into a relationship but I think that you'll have to recognize the work that you need to do in order for that relationship to be healthy because it's going to bring it naturally being in relation to someone else is going to bring up flaws in you it's going to highlight the things that you need to work on because you're two different people, two different worldviews, two different thoughts coming together and trying to make one, trying to figure out how to align and be together. So a natural part of that is that things are going to come up for you. There might be things in your past that you didn't necessarily resolve or work through. And this partner of yours has no idea about any of this stuff, but they might say something the wrong way that triggers you. And they were like, what the heck is going on? Mm -hmm. So even in that, you have to be willing to kind of put in that work so that you can show up in the relationship more whole and more healthy. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in entering a relationship to complete you. You need to be complete on your own. What you get from that relationship is a bonus because let's say the relationship doesn't work out or it ends, then you're left feeling half, you know, half full because this person was giving you what you needed and now that they're not there, you have to kind of pick up the pieces, figure that out. And, and what you can oftentimes find happening is that instead of figuring that out and sitting with yourself for a little bit to see how can I fill myself up, you tend to go find somebody else that will fill that void that has been missing from that person. So it's really about being reflective and it's doing a lot of introspective work about what can I do to improve, to show the best me in whatever relationship I get myself into. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm, for sure. And actually, I was going to ask you, like, what are some tools? I know we have like therapy, obviously. Um, and 
we kind of talked about this a little bit when it comes to like just owning yourself and, and, and learning about yourself and just figuring out like, who is Brie? Who is Hazel beyond the boxes that we check on a piece of paper, you know? But what are like maybe some tools or tips or tricks or like if someone wanted to get started and they're like, you know, I know I've got some things to unlearn and unpack. I know that I need to really figure out who I am and because I want to be, you know, a whole and healthy person before I get into a relationship or while I'm in this relationship, you know, mm-hmm. um, beyond therapy, are there like a few places that we could start, mm-hmm. you know, that might be not cost prohibitive for someone um, mm-hmm. that wants to kind of start this healing journey or just, you know, unlearning some things, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So I would say the first thing is identifying maybe what are those relationships in your life that have left you feeling hurt or broken? What are some things that have come up for you in your life feeling like, oh, I don't, I don't like how this has made me feel. One of the things that you can start doing is journaling. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, when I start working with some of my clients and they're like, hey, I've been feeling really anxious. I can't really pinpoint why I've been feeling this way. One of the things I talk to them about doing is even if you don't write a, a whole like excerpt for one day, just kind of write down today I'm feeling dot, 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 um, and see if you can connect it to maybe what's going on, um, what you're doing in that moment, what you remember happening that day. Because sometimes that after you've done that for a while, sometimes that's able to help you to identify what are the common things that are happening here that I haven't realized or I didn't take the time to recognize. And maybe by doing that, they start to realize, hey, every time that I talk to my mom or every time that I talk to my dad, I feel sucky after that conversation. Mm -hmm. So then that leads the conversation in a different direction of, all right, well, what do we need to start doing differently? What's coming up for you every time you talk to your mom? What feelings are coming up there? So that's one thing that you can do on your own to start processing through those feelings. And I want to grab this workbook that I use with all of my clients. So this is, I love this workbook. Oh, I've seen that on Amazon. I was going to get that. Yes. Yeah. I love it. So for a lot of my clients that like struggle with self Oh, a lot of my clients that like struggle with like self-esteem or um, struggle with like figuring out who they are, um, self-confidence. I really love this one worksheet in here. It's called Getting to Know You. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of the questions range from, they're super simple. Like what's your favorite color? What's your favorite animal? What do you like to do for fun? And then it gets a little bit more in depth about like, if I had only one wish, what would it be? And my favorite question to ask is, who do I love? Because oftentimes when I ask that question, I'll have clients who will list everyone else in their family but themselves. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, after they provide their explanation, I'll say, well, what about you? And that often leads to a conversation about they're not even on the priority list, especially mm-hmm. when I talk to my mom clients. And then I have, um, I have mentioned my workbook before, but one of the worksheets, the find and balance one, I have a big circle. And something I do with my clients is I say, put all of the things in this circle and divide it. And let's see what's taking up your time and your energy. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, it's like, well, I want to be on there. But they start to realize they only give themselves 1% or they only give themselves 5% or the circle's taken up by everything else that they have no percentage to give themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's like getting back to a place of 
well, how do I, one, put myself closer to the top of the list? And how do I get back to a place of prioritizing, taking care of my needs? Because you can't show up in the relationships that are important to you in a way that feels good and healthy if you're not first taking care of yourself. So I love this workbook. I recommend it. <laughs> um, you know, if, if you don't necessarily feel comfortable starting off with a therapist yet, or you feel like you don't have the funds for it yet, I would say you can get that workbook on Amazon. But I think the other way too is you, if you have insurance, you can call up the, um, it's either the behavioral health line or the member services line, and you can ask them for a list of clinicians in your area who accepts your insurance. So that's one cost-effective way to start therapy um, without having to pay like out of pocket. And depending on your insurance, I know like with COVID this year, a lot of insurances, especially like Blue Cross Blue Shield within that family, um, they've been waiving the copay. And sometimes the copay is usually between like 10 and $40, just depending on your plan. But you can, depending on your plan, you can start therapy and you won't have to pay anything out of pocket. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Copays be hitting, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Copays be hitting. Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Ask, what's the difference between a cl clinician, you said, clinician and like a, a therapist? So it's all, they're all the same person. It's all interchangeable. So you'll have like a, uh, you'll have some people calling themselves a mental health therapist. You'll have other people calling themselves a mental health clinician or a licensed mental health clinician. They're all the same. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, that is awesome. And we're pretty much at our time here, which, yeah, it just went super, super fast. Um, I was going to say, if you wanted to get that book, I know it's available, that workbook, I know it's available on Amazon because I've, I've looked at it for at least the last year off and on, like, mm, maybe I'll get this, mm, not right now. There's so many books out right now that it's hard for me to find and stay with just one, like, I'm just going to buy one book this time. I'm just yeah. going to read one book this time. It just doesn't happen. So um, <laughs> yeah. But then you also mentioned that you have a workbook as well. Is that available for purchase or is that just for your, um, your, it, it is. So it's on my website. Um, it's called rediscover myself, a mother's journey after childbirth. So it's a 10 day e-workbook. Um, you can head on over to my website and there's in the, there's a link for the shop. You can click that and port purchase your copy of that but each day there's a worksheet and I tailor that and I mean anyone can utilize it um whether you're a mom you're not a mom because I feel like the topics that are covered in that workbook we all kind of experience that so like it starts off with that question of who am I uh what's important to me and then I it covers also like finding balance establishing boundaries um changing the narrative um, and then at the end, I have like a, a little phrase that kind of prompts you to say, now that I've gone through these 10 days of completing this workbook, I have learned and I'm going to do this differently. Um, so I've had a couple of moms who've uh, purchased it. And I also have some clients that I've used it with in session. And they found it really helpful because they talk about, wow, these are the conversations that I wish I started to have with myself before becoming a mom or even as a new mom, having this as a resource to use to start having these conversations with myself and start thinking about it. And it's also material that you can bring to therapy as well. Like, especially with the finding balance, like I was just saying, 
when you kind of look at it, when you're not on the list, when you're not even a priority, it's like, well, how are you showing up in these relationships? What are you giving of yourself to your kids, to your spouse, to your family, when you're not even prioritizing that time to take care of yourself? Um, and I like to tell my clients, like, if you try to go start your car and that thing is on E, <laughs> it's not going anywhere, right? right? Our bodies are the same way. If we have nothing, if we are completely empty, we can't be the best mom that we want to be. We can't be the best friend that we want to be. We just can't show up in a way that we want where we're not taking good care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another question for you. But first, Tiffany wants to know, can you repeat the name of the first the workbook that you held up? Yes. So it is the Self-Love Workbook by Shauna or Shana Ali. I'll try to get it closer. It's autofocus is not that great. No, but I can type it it in the comments for you. (laughs) Self-love workbook. It's definitely on Amazon. Like I said, I'm an Amazon junkie, so I need to stop and start buying these books from actual (laughs) bookstores. Yeah, I really, I really love um, this workbook. Um, I I found it very helpful and it it definitely gets the clients. (laughs) I have one particular client I could think of. She's like, I hate it when you ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I was going to ask you, cause you mentioned it. If someone's listening, how would you like, is there like a tip or two that you could give to like a mom or a friend or just a black woman in general um, that is saying, you know what? My life is just, I'm so busy. I know that I should be practicing self-care because it's, it, I know that I should prioritize myself because it's so important that I do self-preservation, you know, but I don't know. I don't, there's no time. Like I hear that a lot. There's no time. I don't have time. I don't have time for self-care. What would you tell that person? I would say first sit down and create a schedule. Let's block out. Let's put the, t- the days of the week, the times from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. I want you to write that all on a grid and fill in each spot. So if you have work, if you have a commute, if you have dinner time, every single thing that takes up your time, I want you to write it on that grid that you create. And then I want you to be able to look at it and see what are the blank spots that I have? Are there moments that I have, um, whether it's an hour here, an hour there, and just kind of map that out and take a look at that. Next, if you truly don't have any time on that, on the, once you make that grid. And I like to think that most of the time when you make that grid out, you, you find some time here and there. But when you're going, 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 you don't have a visual representation of what's kind of taking up your time, it feels like you don't have any. Same thing like when we create budgets. When you're not creating a budget and you're writing where every dollar is going, at the end of the month, it might feel like, oh my gosh, where did my money go? And you have no idea. But when you kind of write it out, you're able to have a little bit more awareness. So make a schedule, write down every single thing that takes up your time for every single day, see what hours you have available. And the next thing I would challenge you to do is what are some things that I can let go of? What are some things that are not necessary for me to be doing right now? So if it's that extra practice, if it's that extra group or assignment at work you decided to take on that you know you had no business taking on, (laughs) let it go. And that's one of those ways that you can free up your time. So first have a visual representation of it. And then two, make the determination of what can I let go of so that I can start incorporating more me time. Mm -hmm. 
And this is also where asking for help is going to crucial. Mm-hmm. Those of us that legit are just busy from sun up to sundown. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like you have to figure out what's more important, like my health and sanity and peace, or holding on to this, I don't know, this whatever, this self-identifier that I can do all the things by myself. Right. And I even if it means I don't get even 30 minutes to an hour of me time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so. when you don't prioritize that time, you, you start to break down. <laughs> you start to fall apart. And you, you you might start to have some resentment towards the people around you because you feel like, well, oh, you should be helping me more. You're not doing enough. Well, I mean, a part of that is, well, are you asking for the help? Mm-hmm. Are you allowing yourself the time to rest and, and to rejuvenate? Like, are you taking on more than you should? If you are, you got to let some of that stuff go. You can't be angry at someone for not giving you something that you didn't ask for. So you have to communicate it, but you also got to recognize what's your limit. You can't do everything and be everything for everyone at all times. Right, right, right. All right. Well, where can, uh, if someone wants to link up with you, check out your workbook or maybe even work one-on-one with you, how can they, how can they find you? Yes, you can go to www.itsapparentlytime.com and that's I-T-S-A-P-A-R-E-N-T-L-Y-T-I-M-E. Or you can find me on Instagram at It's Apparently Time, spelled the same way. Well, I definitely appreciate you hopping on, giving us some of your, your time today to pour into amazing black women that were able to hop on today and listen to the podcast down the line as well. Um, So make sure that you check her out. This has been a huge resource, even for me, just hearing some of your ideas and thoughts on just relationships and toxicity and um, self-care and just boundaries and everything else. So I, I love when we have these kind of conversations because sometimes you just, you just need to hear things from a different POV. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's all helpful and we definitely need to have more conversations like this. So I, I'm so glad that you were able to hop on today. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yes, I enjoyed having this conversation as well. Cause I feel like it's so important, like you said, to talk about how can I be my best me and how can I show up in relationships or in this world in a way that feels good for me. Um, and letting go of all of these expectations and rules on how we need to show up and just being you. (laughs) Yeah, and I was going to say, I know that we're wrapping up, but just being able to be our best self, like in a world where it's been proven that we, they don't want us to be our best self, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's, it's, It's just something that we have to make sure that we're consistently showing up for ourselves allowing ourselves to shine, allowing ourselves to show up as the best version of ourselves or growing into our best self, living our best lives possible. Um, All of that is resistance. And I think once we are able to get to a place where we're doing that consistently, like that's that's just, it's life-changing. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It's just life-changing to be able to know who you are, to be confident in yourself, to have healthy relationships, to have healthy boundaries. Like it just makes you a better parent, a better 
and make sure better all those check boxes that you have for yourself. You know what I mean? When you're able to show up authentically and and just own, you know, your power and own who you are, um, it just it just magnifies itself in in tremendous ways. So mm-hmm. it's just so important. It's just so important. Yeah, I wanted to say one thing. I almost forgot. Yeah. I actually I'm having a, an event in June. It's free. Um, It's called, am I ready for parenthood? So if you're not a parent, if you're thinking about it, if you are already a parent, I'm going to have an OBGYN, um, two doulas. One is a full spectrum doula um, and the other one is a postpartum doula. And then we're going to have two licensed marriage and family therapists, myself included. And then um, a friend of mine that I went to college with, he is a dad and he's going to offer the male's perspective on like what do you need to know in preparing for parenthood? What is it like making that transition as a father? And really talking about um, the Black dad's experience and what that's like, because I don't feel like it gets highlighted enough. So if any of you are interested or you know people who might be interested, you can share it with them. Once again, that's on my website as well. It's free. So you, know, you can show up, you can ask questions. If you have any, you can submit them. Um, I have a link on my website. If you just go to the links page, um, you can submit your questions. You can register for the event. Um, yeah. And hopefully you'll show up and ask questions and we can all interact together. I'm really excited about that. All right. Well, that is it for this week's episode. I want to thank you so much for listening in. Shout out to Hazel for coming into Brown Girl Society and dropping some gems on us during that private conversation. If you want to learn more about Hazel and her event, which is called Am I Ready for Parenthood? Please, please, please go to her website and register for her free event. You can go to itsapparentlytime.com. That's I-T-S-A-P-A-R-E-N-T-L-Y t-i-m-e dot com you can also find her on instagram under that same handle i will be sure to put a link to her event in the show notes if you want to go and register and be a part of that amazing resource all right and that is it for this week's episode thanks so much again for listening to the brown girl self-care podcast i have so much more in store in the coming weeks and episodes so make sure that you stay tuned and i will see you next monday with another episode of brown girl self-care take care at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies we keep moving forward with each new idea innovation and partnership We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.